2 Corinthians 4, grab your Bibles and let's dig in together. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 8 through 11 and, um, and look at several other verses uh, this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 8. It says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. This is the word of the Lord. So what we want to do this morning, we're starting a new sermon series, we're talking about the, when we feel unworthy and we don't feel like God can do anything through us, and, and this morning we want to look at this passage, and if, as I was reading through, if there were some things that, as I read them, you're like, I don't know what that means, well, I, I think you're with the majority of folks. What we want to talk about this morning is, are some really key truths about how God moves in our life, how God works in our lives, but these are truths that a lot of times... Um, people don't grasp because they don't get the larger picture of not just uh, what Jesus did in coming, but what he does uh, in our lives as a result of that. And so what we're going to talk about this morning are some fundamental uh, spiritual truths. We're going to go down through this passage and just kind of handle it piece by piece, and I do want to bring in some other uh, verses that that go along with that, but um, all this has to do with... um, how God works within us through the struggles that we're going through. So if we, if you are, and of course everybody's going through struggles now, if nothing else, because of COVID, as we go through these struggles, how exactly is it that God is working within us uh, through that? So let's, let's go down through and look at this passage. So the first point we want to make is this. God does not take away our struggles. God does not take away our struggles, though he does ensure they don't overwhelm us. Though he does ensure that they don't overwhelm us. So, there's a lot of us that would desire that God would just take away the struggles that we have and we wouldn't have those anymore. And God has never promised that. The Bible never promises that. And so, you can hope for that, but there's no real anticipation that God is going to do that in your life. Now, there's a thing today that, that is uh, in a number of churches that is called the prosperity gospel, which is the idea that basically God wants to just make everything in your life easy and everything in your life wonderful, and if you're faithful to God, then he's going to take away all your problems, take away all your struggles. Now, as we get into the message further, we're going to talk about why God actually um, doesn't want to do that because of what he desires to do in your life. But as you look at verses 8 and 9, if for no other reason, we can see right here, like if, if, if anybody were to ask, and there's a lot of other verses. You know, okay, can you in two verses explain to me why Joel Osteen is, is full of it? These two verses would be really good verses because he's a prosperity gospel preacher that's saying God's going to just bring nothing but blessings and all kinds of good things. Well, I have bad news. If Joel Osteen is right, then the Apostle Paul was a terrible Christian. Because look at these verses. Verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, 
struck down, but not destroyed. Now we'll talk about the second half of those verses in just a second, but look at what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that I'm hard-pressed, I'm, pers- I'm perplexed, I'm persecuted, and I'm struck down. Those are all struggles that he's going through. Those are all difficulties he's going through. And so if the prosperity gospel is right, then Paul was way far away from God because he's not living in the blessings of everything that God wants to give him and how great God wanted his life to be. Now, this is a tough decision here this morning, but I'm going to take my cues from my faith from the Apostle Paul instead of Joel Osteen. So I'm going to go with the fact that I think the Apostle Paul is right here. And so when he says that he's going through this, he's hard-pressed, he's perplexed, he's persecuted, and he's struck down, that that's not a sign that his life is totally off track and he's nowhere where he needs to be, but that rather as he is doing God's will, that this is how God is working in his life. And not only how God is working through his life, but how God is going to transform him through what is going on. Now, look at the second half of those verses, because I made the point there, and it's worth noting this morning. God does not take away our struggles. And so we do want to note that and say, you know, we are going to continue to have struggles in this life. But, as it says there, though he does ensure they don't overwhelm us. We, we do need to note, just for encouragement, the second half of these verses. Although Paul is going through struggles, notice he says, uh, hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So God is not going to let us reach the place where, where we are just wiped out. He's not going to allow that to happen. And so that's something that encourages us along the way to know, okay, God is there with us. He's not going to let us be overwhelmed and crushed and destroyed. But the question remains, okay, if God can stop that, then why doesn't he stop all the rest of it? If God can stop me from reaching the point where I just can't make it anymore or where I am overwhelmed and, and, and can't continue on, why doesn't he just go back and instead of just handling the really tough stuff, why don't he just go back and take away all the struggles that I have? Well, there's a number of things that we could talk about there, but the one that I want to focus on this morning that this passage is focused on is there's a reason why God allows those struggles in our lives and that has to do with the reason that has, we want to talk about this morning, the reason has to do with what God wants to accomplish in us. In us. So point number two is this. The nature of our salvation. And spiritually speaking, the old me died with Christ on the cross. Spiritually speaking, the old me died with Christ on the cross. Now, we're, we're going to get into, if, as I was reading a little bit ago, uh, 10, and 13, or 10 and 11, rather, um, we're going to unpack half of each verse, we have a point for each half, because there's so much there. And as you read those two verses, it is kind of confusing if we're not aware of what God is up to. And the good news this morning is, far more than the shallow prosperity gospel, when we actually understand what God is up to, it gives us incredible encouragement to know, as I'm going through these struggles, to know what God is trying to accomplish in my life should really uh, give us a, a moment of encouragement. So we're just going to look at the first half of 10 here. He says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. Now let's pause there for a second. What does that mean? We always carry around in our body the death of 
of Jesus. Now, if you're just kind of reading through and not paying any attention, I don't know, it's a bunch of religious words, but if you stop and read that, what in the world is he talking about? Because that just sounds weird. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. All right, let's talk about what that means. And, and then I want to look back at Romans uh, just for a second. So we believe as Christians, and we say this all the time, but we say it without thinking. We believe this, this morning as Christians, Jesus died in my place. Jesus died in my place. If you believe that this morning, say amen. All right, so we believe that Jesus died in my place. And when we often say it, we just kind of, okay, well, so I sinned and Jesus went to the cross and he died in my place. And, and so it, it's just kind of a, a general spiritual idea. No, it's more than that. It's a lot more than that. So Jesus died in my place. That isn't just something that is just kind of vaguely true. So let's use me for a minute. So I'm a sinner. I have been a sinner my entire life. Now, God has come into my life, and we'll get into this in a minute, and transformed me, but, but the reality is my sin nature is still with me. I still struggle with that. But I'm a sinner. I've done many things that are wrong. I, I, I have fallen short so often in my life. And spiritually speaking, as you add all that up, what I deserve spiritually is death. I, I deserve death. And so um, when Jesus comes and, and he lives on this earth, and then he goes to the cross, so I deserved death. And Jesus dies, what do we say? Jesus died in my place. So as Jesus goes to the cross, and as he hangs on the cross, it's not just that he's bringing forgiveness, but he is dying for me. He is dying in my place. Look at this verse. This is really important. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that what Jesus did for me is now a part of my life. It's now within me. The death that Jesus died for me is now within my life. It's within my body. Look back at Romans uh, chapter 6 for just a second. Romans 6. I want to look at, at, at just a, a, a couple of verses just for a moment. So Romans 6, uh, let's look at verse 2 and then I want to hop down to a couple other verses. So Romans 6, uh, Paul's brilliant, Roman, first half of Romans is Paul's explanation of what, what it means to be saved, what the gospel is. Look at this. Now, we've got some phrases here that are also weird, so we want to unpack them. Romans 6.2. Romans 6.2. He's been talking about, should we just go on sinning in the first verse? He says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. What, wait, how can I have a Christian, how can I, as a Christian, have died to sin? Well, guess who died in my place? Jesus died in my place. And so the old me died to sin. Hop down to verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Let me pause for a second. The second half of this is important too. Again, Jesus died for me. The old self, the sinful self, when I came to believe in Jesus, the old sinful self is placed on the cross with Jesus, spiritually speaking, 
and Jesus died for me. That old sinful self died on the cross. This is so important. The old me died on the cross. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. So that my sinful self that couldn't do anything about being a sinful self, that sinful self died on the cross with Jesus. Down to verse 8, just one more. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. So the old self died with Christ, and then that isn't the end of the story, because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? So Jesus rises from the dead. So not only did I die with Jesus, but then I am raised with Jesus as well. Not raised as the same being that I was before, but raised, what do we say? To newness of life. What does that mean? To new life. I'm now a new creation. I've been raised with Jesus. And that comes, to go back to Bill's song, we talk about people needing the Lord. When we talk about uh, that coming into people's lives, it doesn't come because I'm a good person. It doesn't come because I've earned it. It comes because I believe in Jesus, and Jesus did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. All right, let's go to the third point. So what, what does that create as an opportunity in my life? That spiritual death opens the door to live out Christ in me. That spiritual death opens the door to live out Christ in me. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians for a second and, and look at that. Um, look at the second half of verse 10. So verse 10, the first half says, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. All right, does that make sense now? We just talked about that. So as I died on the cross for Jesus, now I've taken his death into my, into my body because that's what I need to be able to be transformed. So what happens then? Second half of verse 10. So that, that's really important. What's the consequence of me doing that, of me accepting the death of Jesus into my life, of him dying for me? So that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So Jesus doesn't just do that so that we can say, all right, well, I got forgiven. Now I'm going to continue to be the same mess that I was before. I'm going to be a disaster, but at least now I'm forgiven. No, as we go forward, after Jesus has died for us and we receive him in, as it says there in that verse, so that now the life, of, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. As we've accepted Christ in now, what's going to start to happen is the life of Jesus. Does that mean I'm going to go around doing miracles and healing people? No. What it means is Jesus was a person of joy. He was a person of love. He was a person close to God. Everything that was in Jesus' life there that was manifest of who he was, all those things can now be manifest in me. I can be a person of joy. I can be a person of peace. I can be a person of love. Not just kind of the vague stuff that I had before, but now the love that Jesus had. There's a huge difference between the selfish love that I had for people before I was a Christian and now where I can love people the way that Jesus loves people. Look at what that verse says. We can live out, we can have that revealed in our body. Look, still in 2 Corinthians, look over in the next chapter, in chapter 5 and verse 17. Chapter 5, 17. It says, we won't get into the larger passage, but there in 17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new 
is here. And so we understand as we receive Jesus in, I'm now a new creation in Christ, and I go forward as that new creation in Christ. The old man is gone. He died on the cross with Jesus, and now I go forward. That's why I say, and, and I've preached this in the past, but let's come back to it now. Even though you know, we still have the flesh, and so we struggle with sin, the core of who I am as a believer in Jesus is different than the core of who I was before I became a Christian. What was the core of who I was before? Before I became a Christian, the core truth about me was this. I am a sinner. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to continue to sin. I don't have the ability to overcome my sin. I am a sinner. Now, when I received Jesus in that moment, I am a sinner saved by grace. But I don't say, well, you know, I continue to go forward in sin and continue to mess up because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. As I go forward, after I recognize by receiving Jesus in, after I know that he died for me on the cross and then go forward, I go forward, the core identity of who I am today is not that I am a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. My core identity today is I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. I am a new creation, fully capable of experiencing all that he has for me. Because look at what that verse says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That's why, if you go back to John chapter 3, he's, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you have to be what? Born again. Like, he meant that. You have to have the old person die, and this new spiritual creation comes forward. We don't believe born again is just some kind of a, a, a nice little phrase. We think that spiritually speaking, that old guy needs to die, and somebody new needs to come forward. You need to be born again. And so as we understand that, it goes back to what Bill said a minute ago, and, and that's it, as, as he was saying. You know, people need the Lord. Why do they need the Lord? Because in their own condition, you can't do anything about your sin. You're a mess. As you get born again, receive Jesus in, allow him and his death on the cross to come into your life and transform you, you go forward as a new creation in Christ. I'll go back to what Joe said earlier. We're bringing every aspect of the, of the service today. So Joe said some really nice things earlier about Clint and I. And I'm not going to speak for Clint now, but let me say this. In my own life, to the extent that I have been a good pastor to you, to the extent that I have shown the love of Christ to you, to the extent that I have been somebody that, that tried to live out Jesus in my life, to the extent that all that's happened, and, and therefore I have been a good pastor, that doesn't come from the fact that, you know what, Jim is just, he's just naturally this incredibly talented person. And he's just so gifted to the extent that I have had a spiritual impact on you, it has come from this. That I have yielded myself to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ and His power has worked through me. It's not how great I am if there is anything that I've done that's worthwhile. It's how great Jesus is in me. That's what makes the impact. And it's not just in my life, it's in all your lives. To the extent that we are able to make an impact on our relatives, on our co-workers, on those in the world around us, on our kids, it's not how great we are. It's how much we allow Jesus in us to come out. Which leads us to verse 11. And the fourth thing. Where the daily struggles come in. So that's all really important to understand who we are. Now let's get back to the struggles that we talked about under point number one. Daily struggles provide a resistible opportunity to choose to live out my life in Christ. Daily struggles 
provide a resistible opportunity to live out, to choose to live out my life in Christ. So, as we, um, as we understand what, what we've just talked about, so, okay, I, I, I'm born again, Jesus is now in me, so how do I get from, okay, like, let's say I got saved yesterday. So I got saved yesterday, so I'm a new creation in Christ. The core of who I am is now that I'm a new creation in Christ, but, like, I'm not a mature Christian yet. How do I get from that first-day believer to being the mature Christian where Jesus is actually uh, flowing through my life. There's got to be some mechanism for getting from here to there. It doesn't just magically happen. How does God get me from here to there? The answer is struggle. There's also some other things, but one of the big answers is struggle. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. First half of the verse. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So when we read that earlier, we are probably like, what in the world does that mean? And the answer is it has to do with these struggles that we're going through. So God allows us to be given over to the, the emptying of ourselves. To, to being given over to death, to being given over to, and we don't mean like that you're literally going to die, but me on day one in Christ and wanting to get where God wants me to be, there have to be a thousand, ten thousand little deaths along the way of things that I really want to hold on to. Let's say I'm a, a new believer in, in Jesus and I am very materialistic. And I love my stuff, I love my car, I love, I love all that. For me to get to where God wants me to be, He has to kill in me that materialistic spirit. Because, at the end of the day, me being materialist is not going to allow me to become like Christ. Because materialism is a sham. All that stuff's going to be burned away someday. What matters is what's inside your heart. What matters is how mature you are spiritually. And so for me to get from where I am on day one to where God wants me to be on materialism, He's going to have to kill that materialistic part of me a little bit every day. And so that's why verse 11 says, For we who are alive, that means spiritually alive, Jesus has reborn us, for we who are alive are always being given over. That means it doesn't quit. Throughout our lives on this planet, God's constantly going to be giving us over to struggle so that we can become more like Jesus. We are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Keep your finger here. Flip over a couple of books to the right to Ephesians chapter 4. Go through Galatians, and then the next book is Ephesians. Ephesians 4 says it really well. Now, this is the same principle. If you go back and look, I've listed Luke uh, 9 there. If you go back and look there, that's where Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What's he talking about there? He's talking about you have to die these little deaths. You have to be willing to give up what was you had before so that you can become who God wants you to be. Now, none of this makes sense if you're just like, listen, all I want from God is just him to make my life easier. Then Christianity has nothing for you. Nothing. Because God isn't interested in making my life easier God is interesting in making me like Jesus. All right, so 
Ephesians chapter 4 and, what did I say, verse 22 through 24. Verse 22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's being the sinful self before, to put off your old self. It's a daily choice. I'm going to put off, I'm not going to be that person I was before, I'm going to be who I am in Jesus. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your mind. To make that daily choice. I want to live out what God has for me. And to put on the new self. I'm going to live the way God has made me. Here it is. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what God wants to bring about in our lives. He wants to make us into beings who are able to experience that. And the way that he does is through what the word I've used, the adjective I've used is resistible. What does that mean? It means that the way that, he, the way that he matures us is he puts us in situations where I have a choice. It's a, it's a temptation. It's a struggle. It's a difficulty. There's something in front of me, but it's resistible. Okay, I started out as that materialistic person. The, the next time I go to the mall, am I going to choose to spend more than I have and run up the credit card a little more? Or am I going to choose to say, you know what, I'm, I'm content with what Jesus has given me. It's, it, it's a struggle, but it's resistible. It, it's not something that we can't overcome. When, when somebody is struggling with, pick, pick whatever the world throws at you. Each opportunity, it's like when you go to the gym, you're not going to become somebody that's strong by lifting little five-pound weights. You need to lift weights that challenge you a little bit. And that's what builds muscle. Building spiritual muscle happens when I face a temptation, it pushes me in one direction, and I say, nope, I'm choosing Jesus. No, I'm going to go where he wants me to go. And so it's those resistible struggles every day that cause me to become more like Christ. It goes back to the original thing I said. God won't allow us to be overwhelmed, but he allows those struggles in our life. Why? Because the goal that he has in your life is for you to become like Jesus. And you can't become like Jesus if you stay where you are. And the only way you can make progress, one of the big ways you can make progress, is by encountering a struggle and saying, I want Jesus more than the world. I want what God is offering me more than what everybody else is offering me. That leads us to the last thing. Look at the second half of verse, of verse 11. Of verse 11. Let me give you the point, and then we'll look there. The daily progress enables us to literally become like Jesus. To literally become like Jesus. Look at the second half of verse 11. So the first half says, we just read this, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We have those daily struggles that God is allowing in our lives. So that, okay, that's important. Why is God allowing that? Why is God allowing the struggles in my life day after day? So that His life may also be revealed in our mortal body. We are not talking about becoming like Jesus when you get to heaven someday. Although he will finalize the deal there. In our mortal body. What's that mean? Now. It means now. He wants us to become like Jesus now. And so as we go through those those little deaths that it talks about in the first half of verse 11, the result is so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. Still in 2 Corinthians, look back one chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. I'm going to close on this. This is an amazing 
verse that ties in exactly with what we've been talking about. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Let me pause there for a second. He's referencing earlier in this chapter, back in the Old Testament, when Moses went into the presence of God and ended up having to veil his face because his face was, was kind of glowing from being in the presence of God, and it freaked everybody out. And what he's saying earlier is, okay, now, through what Jesus has done, we have the ability to be in the presence of God. We have the ability for His glory to be reflected in our lives. Verse 18, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, but because of Jesus, there's, there's no longer anything between us and God. We can, we can uh, have God come and work in our lives. What's happening? Our being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Look at that middle phrase. That's what God is trying to do through the struggles that are in your life. Being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. Now, if, you, if all you want out of God is, God, just make my life easy, take all my struggles away, I just want to just coast and continue to be the person that I am right now, then this sermon has nothing for you, and honestly, God has nothing for you. If, on the other hand, if you either sometime in the past, or if you're thinking about doing it today, if you look at the life of Jesus and you're like, I want what He has. Like, I, I want to be loving like He was, and I, I want to be full of compassion like He was, and I want to be merciful like He was. I, like, I look at my life, and I'm not the person I want to be. I want to be, like, I deeply, I want to be like Jesus. Look at what He's going to bring about in your life. Our being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory. That's what He wants to do in your life. He wants to literally make us to be like Jesus. And so as we add all this up this morning, we go back to those struggles, and certainly we don't have to love that we have those struggles, but our prayer oftentimes should not be so much, God, take away all my struggles and make my life easy, but rather it should be, God, if, if I have to go through this, will you use it to make me more like Jesus? Will you use it to make me more like you? That I might have ever-increasing glory at being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, when you think about that, and you think about how awesome Jesus is and how incredible he is, the reality that the plan of God results in us being like Jesus should be enough to blow your mind. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful this morning for this truth. And I pray, Father, that it would be something that we, as we understand it, that we pursue, that we want this. Father, help us each in this moment to contemplate how much we want to be like Jesus. And then if we do want that, help us to understand what this passage tells us about how we see that happen in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.